Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. Coming up, actress Tova Felchu, she fights the undead on The Walking Dead. We'll have her live talking about The Walking Dead and her one-woman show, Aging is Optional. Updates on arts and entertainment, interviews with celebrities and marquee guests. This is WSJ Speakeasy. Hi, I'm Christopher John Farley, a senior editor with the Wall Street Journal. I'm here with Tova Felchu. She is the co-star of the AMC series The Walking Dead. She's also the star of the one-woman show Aging is Optional. Tova, thanks for joining the Wall Street Journal. Thank you. I love the Wall Street Journal. We're subscribers for whatever that's worth. Every, every morning we see you on our doorstep, so there you go. Well, we appreciate it. Thanks for reading. And... Uh, on the show, on The Walking Dead, of course, you play Deanna Monroe. She's the leader of Alexandria, which is this small town sort of fighting against the surge of the undead. And uh, I, I want to know one thing I want to know is that I've heard that you drew inspiration from your character from Hillary Clinton. Is that true? And what aspects of Hillary did you bring into your character? Well, the point being that she's a politico. So it would be both. It would be any any prominent political figure that I admired, and I know people have many different opinions, but I still feel that she's one of the most qualified states people we have representing the United States, and she has tremendous experience. And I, I, the few times I've met her personally, she has incredible intelligence and a steel trap mind. So it wasn't fully based on her at all, but she was a prototype, along with any other female, um, the, the woman who represents the Republican Party, who's now wants to be president, is pretty fantastic, too. Carly Fiorina? Exactly right. Carly Fiorina, extremely impressive. So the idea being that Deanna Monroe is not a, a joke or um, uh, a mistake, or uh, she didn't stumble into politics. She was, a, I guess, perhaps an intellectual, a professor of some sort, got into politics and was loved by her constituency. She was a congressman and did very well in Congress, did very well. So I wanted to base her on some kind of competence and some kind of a leader where she had uh, tremendous intelligence and a low cortisol reaction to crises, which usually is one of the cortisol being the fight-or-flight hormone that secretes in our body when we're faced with huge challenges and can compromise certain areas of our intelligence while building up other areas like how do I survive and instinct. Anyway, they've done studies which show that good leaders have a, a, a good deal of testosterone, even the women, some kind of thrust in their personality, if you'll forgive the uh, metaphor, and a low secretion of cortisol under stress. So that I thought was interesting. And if you watch Barack Obama, he clearly seems to have a low secretion of cortisol under stress. As, but, but, but what parts of Hillary's personality did you think really translated into Deanna Monroe's personality well, on I the show? Well, I very organized. I thought in her tremendous, uh, wonderful campaign to um, serve in the Senate <clears throat> after she was first lady, she was wonderful. She went all over, the, all over our state, all over New York State, and tried to be available to other human beings. I found when I was at very, very large luncheons with her, she was available, and um, 
she certainly didn't have an agenda with me. I was in a line of 200 women, and she had no earpiece, and she had no aid near her. And she said to me, I'm so sorry I missed your play on Tallulah Bankhead. And I said, what? She said, your play on Tallulah Bankhead. I was playing the Douglas Fairbanks Theater for 200 people a night on 42nd Street. And it was at that time I said, you should run for president of the United States. You've got a, you've got a, a photographic memory. You've got a brain like a steel trap. So I, my, my short acquaintanceships with her have been a very positive. And I also thought she has diligently and loyally served the United States of America. That, that's been my experience. And the, the gory details of what has happened to her in recent uh, memory and with her now her campaign to be president um, at this age, I did not find useful to me, so I didn't use them. I said the series will bring up such things anyway, so why should I bring them up? Now, back to your character on The Walking Dead. I mean, uh, she starts off as someone who's really a manager. She's looking to bring in really soldiers, people who can be muscle, people who can really help teach the people of the town how to survive in this new age that's filled with the undead. But now she's lost so much. She's lost her husband. She's lost a son. How else is she going to change in this coming season, do you think? Well, it's what Darwin says. It's not the strongest or the most intelligent that necessarily survives. It's the one that is most adaptable. So she has to reexamine what is her ground of reality. What, what is life beyond the walls? Her experience was that there were no walkers. She gets like, God, she barely, remember the watchtower was, a, was not even used as a watchtower. I guess it was a bell tower, but they didn't even have a gun up there. They, had, you know, they didn't even have a, a post watching their community. So she really had no notion of how horrendous this dis-ease had become for the planet Earth and these walker stalkers, these, these um, animus, animated bodies without a soul who eat on anything alive, whether it's a horse or a human being. Um, I'm sorry they're not vegetarians. It wouldn't, of course, <laughs> then there wouldn't be a series. <laughs> so she is given the learning curve in, in season six. It'll be of great interest, I think, to everybody. She becomes aware that her greatest partner is her cerebrum, that she better get into her cerebellum and her medulla to survive, just to go to lower brain functions and uh, to uh, the areas that give her some brawn and not just brains. The one thing advantage she has in the series, which I love, is that she's a collaborator of Rick's, not an enemy. She gives him culture, respite, orderliness, at least that's what she was hoping. And he gives her military protection, brawn, savvy of the outside world. Now, in the end, end of season five, we see a result that was beyond imagination to her, beyond imagination, which is the sabering death of her husband by a medical doctor named Pete, who's supposed to save lives. Instead, he, he accidentally kills my very peace-loving sweet husband. Well, let's talk about death, because one thing I wonder about is that you, I've read that you've been promoted to a series regular. Do you now live in fear of your own character's death? I mean, how do they handle on the show when they let you know maybe your character's going to be eaten by zombies in the next, or, or the undead, 
in the next episode. Do they let you know in advance? Do you just find out when the script gets my, delivered? My understanding is they they respectfully let you know with plenty of notice. But mm-hmm. I would think that it must be horrendous for the actor because if the actor is doing his, his or her job, the body doesn't know you're making believe. So if the actor is inhabiting a space, honestly and authentically, the body doesn't know you're making believe. You have the same secretions as if it were happening in real life. So then the actor, I would think, would have to face their own death. Hmm. And that's pretty rough. I mean, I've died on stage in, in the Holocaust miniseries. I died as Juliet. I died. I did two by two with Jason Alexander. I die, but you know, um, uh, it was it was death by choice. I wasn't murdered in the Holocaust. I was shot, but that was uh, I went down, and I, you know, it was a very simple death. But then the actor has to face not only dying, but leaving. Atlanta and the family of The Walking Dead. And the family's very, very tight. Uh, Andy Lincoln is a phenomenal leader for us artistically and socially. And we're all very close. So I would think the actors that have been killed off that I have spoken with, that's the killer for them, is being plucked out of Atlanta and out of their life with the community of these filmmakers and, and actors. Yeah. Now, I didn't get into the show until recently, and then I, I binge-watched the entire thing. It was hard to stop watching, and I kept wondering, what about the show was making me watch it episode after episode? And what I came up with is, it seemed to me that um, the show is not about um, how people change under difficult circumstances. It really is people becoming who they really are. When they're faced with a crisis, this is actually who they really are revealed under the zombie apocalypse. And there's something fascinating about seeing the real selves of people sort of naked and out there. I mean, what do you think about that? I think that's a wonderful thought. Um, I had not watched The Walking Dead myself when I was offered the job because I'm close enough to death. I don't have to watch it on television. So, uh, I mean, I'm not dead, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm older. I've, I've been on Broadway for 40 years, etc. And in our business, uh, filming and doing all this stuff since the 70s. I said, what is it about this show? And what I think is that it dips down into the river of common human experience, the terror of us bringing our planet to some kind of a summary end or bringing parts of our planet to a a destruction that none of us even can ferret at this moment. The honest assessment that our Earth is drowned in blood because of homo sapien tribal war that keeps continuing, continuing. I don't know what invasion we would have to suffer for us to all unite as a family of man on this planet. But so far, we're a lone green-blue marble in the middle of a vast, complex, seemingly endless universe where mathematically there's supposed to be other life, but we have not become evolved enough to locate that. So we are alone. We are alone, and the greatest threat to the existence of our lives on the planet is each other. And it really looks like that, that under circumstances, who remains a human being? Who becomes a beast? Who is able to maintain their, their humanity, that which makes us a homo sapien versus a, a, a lower file of animal, and, and who stoops to places horrendous and unimaginable? And it also is in 
look, they've done studies of people in concentration camps, and the deep, dirty secret about part of the concentration camp survivors is that you could never be a straight hour to survive those places. You had to be a person who would take the bread out of a dying man's hand and take it for yourself. On that note, we're going to pause for a second and take a little break, and we'll be right back with Tova Felshu. They're here. All new podcasts from the Wall Street Journal. Your money matters all week long. Watching your wealth. Hi, this is Veronica Dagger. Join me every week for Wealth Wednesday. Tune in weekly for a fresh take on the secrets to financial success straight from the top money experts from the Wall Street Journal and beyond. Plus all the latest advice, tips and checklists and more for expanding your wealth into more wealth. For more info, check out WSJ.com forward slash podcast and be sure to follow us on Twitter at WSJ Podcast. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, updates on arts and entertainment, interviews with celebrities, and marquee guests. This is WSJ Speakeasy. Hey, I'm Christopher John Farley, senior editor of The Wall Street Journal. I'm here talking with Tova Felchu. She's one of the stars of The Walking Dead. She's also got a one-woman show that's in New York City called Aging is Optional. They'll be playing at 54 Below on October 11th, 13th, 17th, and 18th. When you're in a one-woman show, people have come to see you. What's the worst thing you've had to act through um, and still appear on stage that night? Have you ever been really sort of deathly ill and had to do the show anyways because you know there's a whole uh, house full of people waiting to see you and there's really no net? Well, uh, I, I would say the most challenging day was May the 11th, 1996. My father died at 8.30 in the morning and I went on at 8 o'clock that night. Wow. And it was a one-woman show. There was no, it was a sold-out house. There were no substitutes. And I worked Saturday. I worked Sunday. And in my curtain speech, I came out to take a bow, and I said, I want to share with you that my father left his body this morning and that you are my Kaddish, and you are his Kaddish, meaning you are the people who can acknowledge and honor his death. And I want to thank you for coming to the theater to see Tova out of her mind. And I dedicate this performance to my father and his wonderful life, and his gentle death. And the entire audience not only stood up, but they waited to a man, to a man. They waited in the lobby for me to come out. Wow. And then I spent, until we were asked to leave by the, you know, the stage doormen and the ticket people, we spent a half hour together. Just, they were just kind. They just, so that was, that was the biggest challenge, was performing on the day of my father's death. Well, we didn't did you... know he was going to die, of course, but he, he died. He died of an illness, so we didn't know it would be that day, a month later, a month early. We didn't know. Where did you get that love of theater from? Where did you get that connection to the stage? Well, my father was a litigator, and I applied to Harvard Law School and made the wait list. And my brother was already uh, was a disc jockey at WDCR, Dartmouth College Radio, and had applied to Lambda and was already an actor and a director at the Guthrie. And he said, Tova, why don't you apply for the McKnight Fellowship in Acting at the Guthrie? I'm out here. Maybe you'll win it. And doggone it, if I didn't, I and three other individuals were um, subsidized by the McKnight family to get our master's and to join the Tyrone Guthrie Theater Company, the uh, professional theater, as journeymen um, uh, to understudy the leading ladies and play small roles and learn how to act. So I didn't go to Harvard Law School, but I did come to Broadway after two seasons seasons at the Guthrie in Cyrano de Bergerac with Chris Plummer, I had 14 lines in a red dress and uh, had understudied all the leading ladies at the Guthrie for two years 
So much so that when David Merrick asked me to understudy Mabel in Mac and Mabel, I refused to do it. And he said, you're foolish. You'll go on. I said, sir, I understudied for two years, and I never want to do it again as long as I live. Mm. And I haven't. I haven't. It was the hardest job I've ever had. So um, it, that's it, how I got to acting. I kind of fell into it from the idea of wanting to be near my father and like my father. And my father, of course, wrote his own plays in the courtroom. A litigator writes their own arguments. I saw him try cases. I saw him go to the Supreme Court. And then when I got this job in Law and Order, I just had a guest starring shot. And somebody said, gee, you're awfully good at this. And I said, well, thank you very much. The truth is I was just playing my dad. And I've been brought up around this litigator. So they kept me on year after year for 13 years. It was a, a great, also a man's part. You know, I play Danielle Melnick on Law and Order was originally Danny Melnick. And Deanna Monroe on The Walking Dead was originally Douglas Monroe. And in Aging is Optional, because God, I hope it is, uh, where I basically want to say, I want to live, I want to join and stay in the full life movement till it's my time to fall off the cliff. As you would say, till you get the call from the walking dead that it's your time to end your stay there. I want to live fully. Um, it's, um, it's my desire to, to die with young eyes when it's my time and to dip into the richness of life with a very, very long ladle and uh, and enjoy it. So I play all these people at different times in their life. Many of them are funny and all of them, most of them I should say, sing. Uh, and it's 65 minutes this act uh, so that you can come to see me, spend the night with me 7 to 8.05 at uh, 54 Below uh, starting this Sunday and then Tuesday and the following Saturday and Sunday. And it, you can. I'm going to go on at seven. You'll be done at eight o five. You have plenty of time to get home and watch season <laughs> six, episode one, of The Walking Dead. Uh, yeah. And the one question I have is, uh, since you've been on, you're a Broadway veteran. Do you think that the um, the culture of audiences who come to stage productions has changed? I mean, we always hear so much debate about people being on their phones or trying to take pictures or video during the performances. Do people know how to relate to a live audience as much as they did in the past? Has it changed? What's your feeling? What, have you, what are you seeing? Has the world changed in terms of audience? Yes, they've become less formal. It's a less formal world. It's more like uh, one big town. I hope that we can bring peace now that the email was kind enough to close the planet down and make it one big shtetl. I hope that we could accompany that with less tribal warfare. It's wild. It's primitive. It's really primitive. Well, Tova... Fellowship, thanks for joining the Wall Street Journal. The show is The Walking Dead, has its sixth season premiere on October 11th. The stage show starts on October 11th as well at 54 Below. It's called Aging is Optional. You can see it on October 11th, October 13th, 17th and 18th at 54 Below in New York City. That's Aging is Optional. Toba, thanks again for joining us. (laughs) Thanks again for joining us. I appreciate it. I do too. Thank you. Well, that's our podcast. We've just been talking to Tova Felchu. She is one of the stars of The Walking Dead and of the stage show Aging is Optional. Thanks for listening. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.